0: I am Victor Ramos, and I am with Mid-Florida Housing Partnership, and you are now listening to BizNet Podcast.
1: Hi, I'm your host, Glenn Sanders. From a March 22 op-ed in the Daytona News Journal, according to 2019 data from Harvard's Joint Center for Housing Studies, 29.5% of all renter households in the metro area are paying over half of their income on rent. A Volusia County resident working full-time would need to make over $17.31 an hour to afford a standard one-bedroom apartment at the fair market rate. Yet the mean renter wage in the county is about $4 an hour shy of this mark. This is according to data from the National Low Income Housing Coalition. And that's just the rental market. Factor in booming real estate sales, pandemic layoffs, credit worthiness, and deposit requirements And the opportunity to own a home is simply out of reach for Volusia County's low and moderate income families. Today on the show, we talk to Victor Ramos and Lydia Gregg of the Mid-Florida Housing Partnership about the affordable housing crisis in Volusia County. Their organization helps to expand opportunities to the very low, low, and moderate income citizens to obtain decent and adequate affordable housing. Victor, Lydia, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you. Thank you. So let's jump right in. People's perception of affordable housing. How do you counter the not-in-my-backyard belief that affordable housing equals crime-riddled neighborhoods or big, ugly buildings?
2: I think you have to think about affordable housing as housing for just your friends, neighbors, people who are in your life, they're working, they have kids, they send them to school they do soccer on Saturdays. They're just regular folks just trying to live.
1: Just trying to live just and, just trying live, to live live a life, right? Yeah. What is the what is affordable housing exactly and and how does it impact our economy?
2: I think affordable housing is housing that's affordable for someone who is low to moderate income. They're working, they have a a wage, they're earning, but perhaps they uh, are not at the income that would afford a million-dollar house. Maybe they're affording a $100,000 house, $200,000 house.
1: But even a 100000 or $200,000 house is a little harder to come by in Volusia County these days. Yes. Yes, it is. Now
2: you've hit the rub.
1: Right. Uh, certainly, in, if you're anywhere near Beachside, you're not finding anything uh, in close to that. And I believe that's the challenge, the
0: inventory for affordability, mm-hmm. um, that it's something that
1: we're constantly working with. As we've talked to multiple people on this podcast, the issue of affordable housing comes up every time, which is why I thought it would be great to have you guys come in. The, the real estate in Volusia County is skyrocketing, right? There's a lack of inventory. It's not just a seller's market. It's There's just a lack of inventory. And, and, and from what we can tell, those, these rise in prices isn't going to go back down. It's, it not, won't necessarily diminish. So doesn't that make your challenge a little bit a little bit harder?
2: It's incredibly hard right now. I have clients that are priced out of the market. You mentioned the beach side. I have a client who needs to stay beach side for health reasons and there's nothing. Then I have clients over here on the mainland. They can't find anything between 150 and 225
1: and what are you looking for? What qualifies as an affordable house in terms of price range, in terms of purchasing? And there's, there's also rentals here. That...
2: Two different definitions. For the city of Daytona, their cap for their first-time homebuyer program is $176,000. And for Volusia, it's about one
1: let us talk about what's actually the, sort of the definition of affordable. This is...
2: I see where you're going. I have the answer to that. Uh, Affordable means you're not spending more than half your income on a housing expense. We define affordability at 30% of your gross monthly income. When you start to go above that, you're using almost all your pay to cover housing expense. What's, what is there left? That's where it gets, it pinches everybody.
1: Sure, because if you're making minimum wage, even if you're a dual income household, both making close to minimum wage, you can't, you're, there's no way yeah. you can afford anything at 30% of your household still,
2: income. Still no. Mm-mm.
1: So what is the solution? We have to build more affordable housing?
2: You have to increase the inventory. Uh, there are a number of investors and developers that are looking at ways to increase affordable housing stock.
1: What about the state? Does the state help at all? You went there. You yeah, had to I did. go there, didn't you? If you look at what works in other states, I, I do. If a very they g-
2: use the, the money that was set aside almost 30 years ago for this very purpose, then yes, the state would definitely be contributing. But we have the fight every year over budget, and the dedicated funds for affordable housing get swept into general funds. And I believe that's the challenge
0: when it comes to the state. As far as the, yeah. the allocated money that's there, that's not def- necessarily being used for affordability.
1: And not only that, but it has to be distributed around the state. So yes. then each county has to make their case for uh,
2: not really. for the use of that money? A dime of every doc Stamp dollar goes into a dedicated affordable housing fund. Each county gets to write their local housing assistance plan, and they decide whether it's going to be for owner occupied rehab or it might be for first time homebuyers or how they're gonna spend those dollars. But they all get their dollars. They have a formula in Tallahassee to decide how much say Volusia County gets over Flagler County versus Deltona or Daytona. So
1: is some of that money there and it's not being spent it's it, not
2: going into affordable housing. Ah. The problem is it gets swept and it started that started happening during the first crash. Okay. When the first bubble.
1: And how does it look now? Not so hot. Not so hot. What about at the county level? Is there a, do we have a trust at the county level for affordable housing?
2: No, there's talk about it.
1: Is there a model in the state of Florida of another county that has been successful in addressing the affordable housing problem or the lack of affordable housing? I'm going to say that probably Day County,
0: as I was researching a little bit about what they're doing as a county, I know, like the dock. So they have somewhat created their own dock within the county to create more revenues and have more control of that revenue to be able to allocate it to affordability, which right now we're just counting on the state. And that's the importance for us to continue, not to lobby, but to continue to inform our representatives of the important
1: and the need that we actually have out here. So is there any part of the Volusia County tax assessment that comes to affordable housing? None at all. So no. your fun, any funds that you need are all, all have to be raised.
2: So Volusia is an entitlement community. What does that mean? Uh, That means our demographics can pull in federal dollars as well as state dollars. And right now, we're pulling federal dollars because the state dollars aren't really
1: there. Where are the federal dollars coming from?
2: The home fund and
1: CDBG funds.
2: So they're coming out of HUD.
1: But otherwise you need investors yes yes and how does that work what's the incentive is is it a a good investment are there investors that work in this space that if I'm a local investor convince me that I need to invest in affordable housing I I
0: think part of is is first going back to your your previous question as it relates to affordability and that perception that there is about affordability So having that conversation with developers and investors, that that mindset of affordability that we have, it's changed, and it's something that if we work together as a team, it's something we can accomplish together. But I think it's getting over that hump of what affordability looks like. So what does it look like? I think we're definitely working to see. at, At the end of the day, these are individuals, like anyone else, who wants to be able to be a part of that dream and own a home. Unfortunately, some have, which again comes back to part of what we do as well when it it relates to the workshops that we do through our counselors at First Time Home Buyer. Um, There's a lot that goes into that sometimes people get scared of the process. So having these workshops and trainings that we do, it's one of the, vehicles that we help as well as credit and credit score a lot of times people don't realize that the habits that they've created it's not helpful for them and even when there is some help out there and incentives so it's a puzzle
1: so getting someone a, a mortgage may be a year long or more project if you're trying to clean up their credit and everything else yes what happens when uh, you've helped someone, they're able to acquire a house, they're able to develop more skills, and they come out of that affordable need bucket. Are they're they able to keep their house, right?
2: Yes, yes. They qualify at the beginning, and they go on and live their happy life, Be, have their best <laughs> life, and go on and finish school, and go on to that next job that might make them suddenly quite financially set. That doesn't, take away their house. The assistance that's provided to a first-time homebuyer is to bridge the gap that exists in affordable. So that if you could only afford like a $175,000 house that and yet all the houses that are available are two hundred. that gap exists and that's what the program is there to fill. And,
0: and I believe also part of, of your question is, first of all, thank you, and I think it's important that we're having these conversations because, as you mentioned before, with your other guests, affordability comes into question. Every, every interview we've done, it's come up. So the important is how can we get together and realize that economic development Affordability go hand in hand. So if we can start having those conversations and have the right people at the table to realize that we need every single one of us needs each other, it can't be where economic development is doing their thing without
1: keeping in mind about affordable housing. And back to the sort of investment angle, you need private investment either both in workforce training right you need and and we're seeing that with bob davis from hospitality and leisure and the chambers are all working with the colleges to try and the high schools to try and create tech programs or, or programs that get people into a workforce at a decent living wage so if you combine that with your efforts to train people about managing their credit better and getting them on a budget that isn't larger than what their income is We've got a good shot, I think, at developing a a strong economic engine Mm -hmm. in the county. However, a lot of counties are trying to do that. Pretty much every county is probably trying to do that. So what's the benefit or the advantage of Volusia County, let's say, over other regions? I mean, Volusia's continuing to grow. I'm from Deltona and pretty much
0: the largest city in Volusia County, population-wise. And if you see pretty much, and you drive in Deltona, pretty much wherever there was a tree, there's a house. And we're continuing to grow. We just had Amazon come in to the city as well. So I think we're at a crossroad where it would be beneficial, and I think it's important for us to start having this conversation to see how we can lead, not necessarily wait for any other county or state, but let's get together and lead as a county
1: because we're definitely continuing to grow, and that train is not stopping. Sure, we need the economic engine to drive the jobs, but then we need the people to fill fill the jobs that supply the economic engine what do you see the future is uh, for affordable housing the next say five to ten years pull out your crystal ball to be able to
0: bridge the gap for individuals to live in a home that eventually also can set them up and prepare them to purchase a home obviously that's just one thing of multiple things that are happening but i definitely it's a challenge that brings some opportunities and just Trying to get the right people
1: at the table so we can have the, that brainstorm. So, from a finance perspective, and inve- I keep going back to this, but from an investor's perspective, those are you need those people at the table as well. Absolutely. So, if I'm a real estate investor and I'm not, if I was a real estate investor, what's the incentive to build uh, affordable housing over building condos at the beach?
2: You have a ready-made niche. You have a constant stream of demand.
1: How does Mid Florida Housing Partnership help with? Filling, filling the apartments or filling the homes and, getting, and working with investors.
2: 90% of our job is preparing people for homeownership. Going back to helping them fix their credit, helping them develop a sustainable budget. Education is the key.
1: So by working with you guys, if I'm a, an investor, if I've got an apartment complex or, or uh, I'm developing uh, a, a new property... You can help me fill that or get the right tenants or sell the property to somebody that has now learned about managing their credit, being a fiscal responsibility, and those kind of things, and and fill my investment with more responsible tenants. True. What are some of these workshops? What are some of the trainings? You have your brochure here. What are some of the things that you guys do? We
2: do a credit and budget repair class for those who are not mortgage ready. It teaches them how to raise their credit scores, repair credit issues, establish clean, fresh credit.
1: How long does that take? <laughs> I guess it depends on how bad. The, true. How much true. damage is done? It could be three
2: months. It could be six months. It could be a year.
1: And, and normally the, the course
0: is an eight-hour course, and, and currently we're doing it through on um, virtual, and it's split up into a four-hour course one day and four-hour course the next day.
2: That's the homebuyer education the home one. The buyer's education mm-hmm.
0: one. and But that also gives them an opportunity to have a one-on-one uh, with either Lydia or Joanna in reference to try to help them. Talk to me, explain to me what uh, Palmetto House is. So Palmetto House is, it's quite interesting. I think a lot of people have a concept that it's a homeless shelter, but it's not. Clients have, they have to be sustainable. They have to be able to pay a fee. What does that mean, sustainable? Sustainable to be able to pay a fee over at the house. It's a drug-free place. Um, They get an opportunity to have a room and an opportunity also to transition. So we've had individuals that come in through the Palmetto House as a resident there and transition to one of our homes affordable homes, and at the same time
1: from that point, transition into purchasing their home. It fills that gap between the time that they're repairing their credit and becoming credit worthiness. So you do a lot of work with people's credit worthiness. Yes, and part of the Palmetto also, we do have counseling
0: and educational opportunities like through Daytona State. So if you're a resident at the Palmetto House, you're able to go to Daytona State for free as well. So we are encouraged. It's not just for you to just to come and stay There is, I think is a 36 month um, period that you can stay there, but there is a plan in action. So our program manager that runs the the Palmetto House, it's in constant communication to see where we're headed to.
1: Now, in order to repair the credit and afford to buy a home or or live someplace that is uh, affordable to you, You need work? Yes. So how do you work with other workforce initiatives to to get people work? I think that's
0: part of of what we're continuing to grow with and and start creating those partnerships as well. Well, The the, the college partnership is a good example. Yes. And uh, as I've gotten on board, also I'm making more of a working board out of our board. And I think part of that responsibility is also to help us to be able to create those networks to provide those opportunities
1: the makeup of we we started to talk about this but the makeup of people that need affordable housing it's not just working families but it is mostly working families it's also seniors yes yes tell tell me a little bit more about that really you have to go back to
2: definition of a low-income household or very low-income household or a moderate income household. You could be any age and it could be any makeup or composition for the household. Actually, curiously, I have a couple of situations where it's a mother and daughter buying together. A senior mother and an older son.
1: Well, there may be some expense, some medical expenses there with having seniors in the house that, that change. Their income doesn't change necessarily, but their expenses go up as you get older.
2: So this kind of ties back to what you were saying about what the future looks like. I agree. I don't think we're going to see a decrease in prices like we did after the first crash. So seniors with a limited fixed income, how do they go on and buy a house? There are quite a few seniors that are first-time homebuyers. So they're using the strategy of combining their income with a family member or a friend.
1: To to create a larger household
2: income. Exactly, because usually you're not buying a house on just Social Security income, because it's not normally sufficient when houses are above 150 now. Back in the good old days when houses, you could get a good house for $75,000. Yeah, that easy peasy but not too much now. I have one couple, they're like the coolest couple, just friends, and they have a common desire to have a stable place to live and they're pooling their resources and getting through their differences
1: and they wanna buy a house together. Wow, that's great. And so how are you working to help them with that?
2: They want to buy in Flagler, and we're working with USDA, the Rural Housing Division of USDA.
1: And that brings up a good point. There's a lot of avenues for help that people don't realize. True. And so what are some of those, and how do you, do you train people in, that, in your workshops on how to go after that money, or do you, yes. you yes. hold their hand for them, or...? we educate them on
2: what's available so the class is teaching them everything they need to know to be successful as a first-time home buyer and accessing available down payment assistance so you have assistance programs through usda you have them through the conventional side with fannie and freddie and a lot of our local lenders have their own down payment assistance pools they've really stepped up as the state is shrunk back, then you have initiatives that are really investors working on a mission to hit that niche of the affordable uh, workforce housing, if you will, or low-to-moderate-income household needing to buy their first house. There's a market. Why not be the person that covers that market?
1: And how big is that market? If you have numbers, great. If you don't, is it... Uh Sizable enough to to make it interesting to banks and uh, commercial entities. I
2: would say I don't have numbers, but I definitely would say it's sizable enough to get someone's attention. And there are a lot of private investors that are out there quietly doing their thing. I went to, into a house yesterday, and I'm like, wow, a private investor put this together in an older established neighborhood in Daytona, and I was shocked—new construction and. It was a very beautiful representation of what could be. I was very impressed.
1: What has 2020 done to your efforts? And you said you've had to move teaching to your workshops to online. Yes. But what about the county as a whole or the area of mid-Florida as a whole? How have you seen the effect of, of the pandemic I
0: believe we've pretty much adjusted or we had to adjust on how we've done things. At first, I thought the whole virtual, going on virtual for our workshops might be a hindrance, but I would say, and Lydia would mention that, no, it, it, as a matter of fact, more people felt more involved in that aspect because yet we still had that opportunity where you can make an appointment for that one-on-one. With our counselors and sit down and go through the paperwork. And the the one-on-one is virtual as well? No, they can come over to the office.
2: It's their choice, whatever they're comfortable with. Yes,
0: they can do it virtual. They can come over to the office. We have uh, social distancing, so we follow all the guidelines. But sometimes people feel more comfortable when they're able to see you and, and provide the information that they're providing.
1: What is your need going forward? You talked about having private investors involved, what is your biggest obstacle or challenge that, that you're, as an organization that you're trying to overcome at the moment?
2: I think it's still always going to be the need to have subsidy in place. Um, good part of 2020 had uh, one of our major funders uh, with the doors shuttered, and they just recently reopened. For a limited amount of assistance, but for especially now with what's going on in the um, housing market, the need for subsidy to be there is critical. It's hard to put to put together a deal without it.
1: So, how are you solving the problem then?
2: Maybe the problem isn't being solved, but. I know what I've noticed How do we solve the problem? that clients are actually more prepared now than they ever have been they're coming to us with more savings they're more focused and determined so they're coming with significant savings which is good which is good in in terms of the pandemic and our client base those that were directly affected by the pandemic had their plan and Progress slowed down as they had to be laid off or furloughed or quarantined. But they're still very much um, focused with the goal in mind. So there is a huge demand. It's almost frantic. And I can understand why. It's the 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 demand,
1: The demand for? To buy. To buy.
2: Because the rents are just ridiculously high.
1: But affordable rents still falls under your... Mission right? You're, you're looking. Obviously, you've got people that are in that transition stage yes. between being able to uh, before they're able to buy a place, and you need to get them affordable uh rentals. Now, yes, um, we do that. I, I just saw an article in the Daytona News Journal that it's it would cost set it right now. It costs seventeen dollars an hour in comparable wage to afford an apartment to rent in Volusia County. Does that sound accurate? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And how many of your constituents are making $17 an hour?
2: None. Yeah. So what do they do? They're working two and three jobs.
1: Or are they living in another county and coming here to work and adding all that travel cost to there? Could be a possibility. Yeah. That in New York, right? I, I think we see that in Miami yeah. as well, where as development grows and gentrification grows, it pushes people out, giving them longer commutes.
0: Oh, and I've definitely seen that in Deltona, where you have a large population of folks in Deltona cross the bridge over to Seminole and Orlando because of the jobs and the pain of the job. Ideally, we'd like to capture that. Oh, absolutely. The, those jobs yeah. here. Yes, but yet it's still affordable to live on this side of the bridge. So therefore, that's why they continue to make that commute.
1: Yes. So live here and work in Orlando. Yeah. But there's plenty of jobs here. Yes. That's 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 got to be a. It's interesting because the. Workforce development is such a significant component of helping people get on their feet, and yet just helping people learn how to, uh, to manage, manage their money better mm-hmm. is such a significant component of that. Yes. What if you could wave a magic wand and and solve all of your problems? What would you see happen? What would be the magic? <laughs> She's leaning back and thinking.
2: Having the Sadowski Act Free. not rated <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> full funding for SHIP dollars to come in. I think that Ex- explain opens Explain that to up. me. So the beauty of the SHIP funding, which is based on the Sadowski Act, which says a dime out of every dollar will be dedicated for affordable housing, is that is how moderate income families are able to move forward and purchase with a little bit of assistance. Not a whole bunch, but a little, which makes a big difference. Without that piece at the state level, you don't get that at all from the federal level of funding. Federal level, if you're talking low and very low income households, how we're able to help moderate income households or workforce housing, if you will, would be from the state funds, the SHIP funds. So if the shift funds could be fully funded and never be raided, it is a trust fund. Trust right. funds should be untouchable. But In it.
1: theory, but I think across the country, we're seeing that happen in states all over the place, states and cities yes. all over the place. Those trust funds, that money that's allocated for something is, is being raided yeah. I, I believe we spoke about that with the uh, Daytona chamber as well. So ideally if we can if we could keep those state dollars, that ten cents, coming into affordable housing across the state, that would help communities everywhere in the state. Yes. And those are state dollars, the federal dollars are something else entirely. Mm-hmm. And private investors for our business list listeners now and people that are business owners. Volusia County, what can we do? I would say give us a call <laughs> 386-274-4441
0: uh, to, to start having that conversation because I think it's important. We need to, to start having those conversations and taking away this perception of what affordable housing
1: looks or could look like. I'm seeing People talk about restaurants not having positions filled. We've got such a huge manufacturing sector here in Volusia County that a lot of people don't even realize. But there, there's a lot of. It seems to me there's a lot of job opportunities. A lot of, and there's a lot of workforce education. There's a lot of efforts underway. Maybe they're not up to full speed yet, but it seems to me that if we can get business owners to participate, it helps them find the right uh, co- employees to. To, to fill those positions.
0: Because those folks need a place to live. And, and what better again, having that sitting around the table with the business owners, investors and, and folks like ourselves in affordable housing so that we can have that, that
1: round table conversation. It's more than just the wage itself. Yes. It's it's, it's about providing people a lifestyle they can sustain. Well, guys, thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate it. And if anybody does want you gave the phone number, but the website or how do people reach you?
0: Our website is www.mf.
1: HP.org. And your office is here in Daytona Beach. Yes.
0: 1834 Mason Avenue. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Thank you for the opportunity.